0: Now, The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, certified sommelier, corporate entertainer, and wife to a world-class chef, Lori is literally pouring the fun back into wine. Meet some of the most interesting people in the world of food, wine, and spirits as she uncorks the recipe for a delicious life. This
1: is Lori Forster with The Sipping Point, and when you think summer, you think the beach and maybe cracking and drinking a cold one. But what if you can do both at the same time? I'm actually here in Asbury Park at the Beer Garden. And Festal, Festal, I know I'll get the right pronunciations, here from Peter, who's a beer expert working right here doing beer gardens now for over 12 years. So you're an expert. And Borovicka, I think I said that right, is your last name. So Peter, thank you so much for being with me here at the Beer Garden.
0: Welcome. You're welcome.
1: Okay. How would I do with the pronunciation?
0: Really good, actually. Really good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you told me before the interview, you've been in the beer garden business. Who knew there were so many beer gardens for over 12 years now? How did you actually get to do this and fall in love with it? I'm guessing like me, I love wine. That's how I became the wine coach. Is it the same for you?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You have to to love what you're doing. And uh, you just learn and you move from one step to another and uh that's how you get all the knowledge all the experience uh i started as a as a busboy in uh, uh the oldest beer garden in new york which is bohemian hall and beer garden uh in astoria and uh i moved little by little to barbec and then i became a bartender. Uh, as I say that, if you want to sell something, you you need to have great knowledge about the product. So I just started sampling, started studying about the beer, and uh, that's how I fell in love with it. Great. Um.
1: So from Astoria, New York, to here in Asbury Park, New Jersey, my hometown, I'm a Jersey girl, <laughs> although I live in Maryland now, this is a relatively new property. How long have you been here in Asbury Park?
0: Well, we open we opened uh, by the end of January this year, and uh, that's basically when, when the whole thing started.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll have to, we'll post pictures on the website so people can see the size of it. But it's, it's truly expansive in here. How many beers do you have on tap and bottle? How many beers are under this roof? And you have a rooftop beer garden as well.
0: Well, we have uh, 31 beers on, on tap, 10 uh, domestic craft beer, and um, 21 imports. Belgium, Czech, German, Austrian.
1: Wow. Nice. You, you seem to have a little uh, accent that might indicate that you know a little something about these beers uh, from their home place, huh
0: yeah absolutely uh, i come uh, I was born in Slovakia and uh, I moved to United States thirteen years ago
1: okay. All right, great. So you're no stranger to pouring a cold one uh, from the draft or bottle. We've got three beers lined up here, and uh, coming out here would not be complete. Without giving people an idea, if they do come to the beach in Asbury Park or any of the beaches around here and they want to visit you at the beer garden, what kinds of beers do you have here that we're going to sample?
0: Well, these are these beers These beers are um, excellent, excellent beers, my favorite beers. Uh... In general, but they are perfect beers in a, in a summer. Uh, I would start with my favorite beer, which is Pilsner Urquell. Uh, I basically s- grew up with Pilsner Urquell. Uh, it's a Czech first Pilsner in the world. It's the first golden beer. It was invented in 1842 in a town called Pozen and uh, by a German brewer. And it's it's the it's the first it's the first uh, uh, Pilsner. It's a perfect beer, great social beer, great session beer. It's 4.4%, full flavor, medium body, little happiness, uh, little sweetness. Uh, it, it's an, it's an, for me, it's a perfect beer.
1: It, oh, I was sipping the wrong beer. I'm getting schooled by Peter. I love this. Okay, so this is my Pilsner, Wall. Cheers. Cheers. Czech Republic. Let's try it out. Very crisp and clean, and it is really just that little teeny bit of bitterness on the end. Not a ton of that heavy hops like you see in a lot of the U.S. beers. What kinds of foods and i know we're going to talk to chef a little bit later but you personally is this just a you said session and for those of us who don't know session beer means a beer you can drink a lot of in one exactly. sitting <laughs> but what what would you pair with this on a food basis Wait, here
0: it's a, it's a it's a it's a pilsner very crisp um uh, very crisp and hoppy lager, which means it goes really well with any kind of sausages, um, heavier food wow. because of the, uh, the, the hops actually cuts through the fat. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect, perfect lager, perfect beer with a uh, heavier food.
1: All right, great. So you, so like wine, I would assume if you are going to try to taste a lot of different kinds of beer, this is a great place to start because you start with the lighter styles and then move into your heavier, more hopped, uh, flavorful styles. So I love this. I could see this on the beach here at the beer garden just cooling you off. So... When you picked three styles that you think are important um, first being from Czech what about our second style? what do you have for us?
0: The second style I like the Blanche de Brussel, which is Belgium wheat beer it's a beautiful light uh, light wheat beer uh, the notes would be coriander and uh, orange peel okay a little bit of a little bit of wheat. Uh, it's a, it's a great summer beer, uh, very light uh, uh, carbonated and wheat bre- beer. the brewery. It's Blanche Blanche de Brussels.
1: Blanche de Brussels. Yeah.
0: Right. Blanche de Brussels.
1: I'm saying that right. All right, let's give it a taste. Cheers.
0: Cheers. You get a hint of orange and mm, coriander. That's
1: really nice citrus there, too. It's really beautiful. And what I like about it is I've had Who uh, Garden, which is a big brand, of course. And it almost gets a little sweet sometimes. It's got a little sweetness, whereas this is,
0: finishes way drier, correct? Yes, that's true.
1: And what would you put this with?
0: This would go great with, with seafood. Uh. Actually, uh, James Avery, who is our uh, executive chef, uh, he came up with the dish uh, uh, steam mussels, where instead of using white wine as a, as a base, he's using blanche de brussel as, as the main source of, for the sauce.
1: Nice. So just like wine, you can incorporate the actual beer that you're pairing the dish with while you're cooking the food. Yes,
0: exactly. I love
1: that. Cook your mussels in the Blanche de Brussels. <laughs> I think it rhymes, people. All right. Wonderful. So we had our crisp pilsner. We moved to our wheat beer, white beer, and... What would be the third style that you would want people to try?
0: The third style is actually uh, recently my favorite beer. Uh, it's the it's a first uh, IPA uh, made in Germany. Oh wow! By a company Radeberger. Okay. And uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal IPA. They're using uh, uh, American uh, American hops, Citra hops. And uh, the balance of the beer is unbelievable. So I went German through the
1: IPA. German IPA. And say the brewery name
0: again. Uh, it's Radeberger. Radeberger. The name. The name of the beer is uh, Braufaktum Progusta. pro Gusta. <laughs> That's it. That, that's the name of the, of the beer. Say that again? Braufaktum Progusta, IPA. It sounds
1: like you're putting some swear words together. <laughs> I, I love this so. name of this beer. So, this is an American style beer made in Germany. That that must uh, cause a little stir because Germans are pretty serious about their beer and their tradition.
0: Exactly. Exactly. They are very, very strict uh, with, with their beers, but they are getting a little out of the box and they're, they are trying to. Uh, uh, satisfy the market with new styles and honestly I like lots of IPAs but this is one of the best IPAs I ever had especially because of the balance of the body and the and the hops mm. it's phenomenal phenomenal IPA
1: I have a general I really do like this a lot of IPAs are almost over the top on the hoppiness and it's just too bitter but this is very well integrated and it's it's pleasant exactly. makes you want to eat something for sure you know i like that so just a general question for you in the world of wine usually people are serving uh, white wine's too cold and red wine's too warm uh, just because we have these preconceived notions throw it in the fridge and grab it out but you don't get all the flavor of the wine if it's served too cold or if it's served too warm so I hear stories, people in Germany, and they're drinking warm beer. What is the proper serving temperature for beer, and does it depend on the style?
0: Absolutely, it depends on the style. Uh, We have a saying in in Czechoslovakia, basically, Mm -hmm. that for lagers, the best temperature is if the beer sits on the seventh step of a cellar.
1: Seventh step of a cellar?
0: Yes, that's okay. the perfect temperature for a lager. I don't know exactly what the what, the, what a what temperature <laughs> is, but that's what we say. It's the temperature is from the seventh step of a cell, of a cellar.
1: But now, it's give me in because I don't have a cellar where I live. We don't have cellars, so if you don't have a cellar, give me an idea of temperature wise for a lager. Is it forty five?
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: It just depends. It just depends. I love that answer. <laughs> um, but I would venture to say you probably might agree that it's warmer than what people think is the proper serving temperature because we're used to the, like a lot of people that you know the Miller Lights, the Coors Lights, where they don't. There's not a lot of flavor. People are serving those icy cold beers like this. You want. I would say uh, not right on ice. You want to let them open up a little bit.
0: Exactly, exactly. You want to open them. You want to you experience the, the flavor. Warmer the beer, beer is, you don't want to get it too warm, but you want to have the perfect temperature. Otherwise, uh, otherwise you are not getting the flavors of the, of, the, of the beers, especially the ales, wheat ales and regular ales.
1: So if someone's going to come on out to Asbury Park... Come see you at the beer garden here. Ask for Peter at the bar. What do you think makes for the best experience here? Uh, do you do flights tastings of many different beers, or do you just like when people come in and say, "lay it on me"?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't we don't do flights, but we offer as many samples as people like. Uh, whole stuff uh, was trained for two weeks intense training. So every single person over here, if it's uh, barbec, if it's server, if it's bartender, n- has an extended knowledge about beers, about the product that we, that we sell. Uh, there is a lot of heart in this place. You can see it in the ambience. You can see it in the knowledge of the, of the stuff, uh, the whole presentation, the quality of the product. So that's, that's the reason
1: to come here, awesome. right? Great beer. And people with good hearts. I like that. (laughs) All right. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being guests on The Sipping Point. I am looking forward to, after my interviews are complete, maybe belling up at the bar with you. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.
1: This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point. We have a woman here, an owner of the beer garden and the fest hall, as I'm calling it. But you are going to correct me. Jennifer Lampert, who's the general manager and owner here on property, operating owner, is with me. And we're going to talk a little bit more about just the whole concept of a beer garden. And you're going to fill me in on why that is so hot. In this country, and it's just spreading like wildfire. So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for for coming and uh, supporting us and hanging out at Asbury Fest Halla and Beer Garden. Ah, Fest I like the way you say that. I love
1: it. So... Beer Garden here Uh, Peter came from one of the oldest ones In Astoria, he told me, in New York Uh, All over the country These are popping up It's a very European concept Why do you think this is so popular Here in America right now?
2: Well, I think one one aspect of it is that beer gardens have been in existence in Europe for hundreds of years, and the concept has never failed and, and continues to grow in Europe and get bigger and bigger. So it's kind of like the phenomenon now has come to the United States. And what I think is the attraction to the beer garden concept is the sense of community. Beer gardens are a place that people come to celebrate um, with their friends and their family, and they celebrate all kinds of life achievements so we have big long communal tables where large parties do fit and you'll see three generations at one table and then also sometimes you'll come in with a smaller group and you'll squeeze in at a table and you'll be sitting next to people that you don't know and it forces people to people to engage in that lost art of conversation that we've lost in this oh so digital world of headphones and iPads and iPhones and uh, you know so it's I think that's the attraction people are, are starved for the art of conversation and interaction with other humans
1: <laughs> even if they don't realize it uh, I'll, t- I'll give an example I do a lot of wine dinners and wine events and I've always done them open seating at communal, you know, six and eight tops and people will come in to people. And so they just have to figure out where they want to sit. And at first they kind of give you a little bit of a look like you expect me to sit down with these other people that I don't know. But by the end of the event, everybody's having a great time. They're exchanging phone numbers and talking about their kids and everything they're passionate about. Same thing here, right?
2: Absolutely. It's, it's, it's absolutely that communal interaction, conversation, getting to know other people and just letting our guards down. We're still so guarded today.
1: That's totally true. We'll be right back with Jennifer Lampert of the Asbury Park Beer Garden on The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point. And we're here at the Asbury Park Beer Garden in New Jersey. We have taken a road trip. We're talking to Jennifer Lampert, who is the general manager and co-owner. I'm looking right now, though, here at a musical stage. So tell me a little bit more about the entertainment. I mean, Asbury Park certainly has been known for years for the musical scene, and it's more and more every day. What kinds of acts and what kind of music are you doing there to kind of enhance this whole scene here?
2: Well, that's part of what was so exciting and and key in choosing Asbury as a location to open Asbury Fest Hall and Beer Garden. Um, Basically, music is extremely important to the beer garden culture. It's part of celebrating life. It's a part of music, of human expression. So, Asbury, being such a cultural hub, made complete sense for us. Um, the musicians that live here in Asbury and in the surrounding areas are off the hook. Uh, they are the best sidemen from for some of the biggest acts in in the world, uh, from Springsteen to Bon Jovi to Lenny Kravitz to 10,000 Maniacs to uh, people scoring Woody Allen movies. To, I mean, it goes on and on. Everybody, even the young musicians that come through the door, that are living in this area are just on fire musically and just so exciting um, to come in here. So Asbury was just a no-brainer for us, uh, knowing that we could tap into the musical scene. We do have musical music three times a week and polka once a month, and then, of course, polka has been new for Asbury. They've been <laughs> watching everybody go, what's this polka thing? I'm Just <laughs> let it go, let it go and let the polka make you smile and raise that glass and swing it and, uh, you know, and people are definitely getting into the polka once a month finding that it, it, it's it's good for you <laughs> I think I might need some
1: lessons but uh, a few years back when I lived in Chicago there's a place in uh, Milwaukee uh, called the Essing House and they do polka there and they also have this boot
2: Full of beer and a game that you play with that. Do you do that here? <laughs> we don't do the boot except for maybe during Oktoberfest and MyFest, the big traditional European uh, celebrations of spring and of fall and of harvest. Um, but we do do occasionally masskrug stem and competitions where you have to hold a, a liter of beer in your arm and hold it out straight as long as you can. Whoever holds it the longest wins. and So we do have a lot of fun uh, with things like that every once in a while.
1: love it. So you have a great entertainment background. Uh, you're an artist in your own right. How did you go from that to being the owner of a beer garden? Tell me the progression. I love when it seems like you're kind of bringing a lot of your passions together in this one project here. Tell me about how that happened.
2: It sort of was a, a perfect culmination of many of my backgrounds and an opportunity that when it was offered to me, I couldn't pass up. Um, I was booking music for my business partners in Hoboken at the Pilsner House. Um, years ago had my 40th birthday party there booked it brought my own band and some of my own friends into play for my birthday and uh ended up working on the second floor of uh the pilsner house which is a mixology bar and event space, the colo club and then um the partners up there were interested in uh doing something down the jersey shore i had the right contacts to uh carter sackman who's a developer here in asbury park we've known each other for 20 years and i said i'll come on down and, and meet the sackmans and um Carter fell in love with the beer garden that I was working at up north, and uh, the guys fell in love with Asbury Park, and they needed a partner who would be willing to move to Asbury and relocate and be one of the operating owners. And I'd always wanted to live in Asbury; it was sort of a perfect place for me to move. So, um, took a leap of faith in my 40s, and here I am, and it's just been—it's uh, been a gift. So one of those chances and things in life that it's just uh, you don't look the other way. You just say thank you. So I'm extremely grateful, enjoying this complete life change now and um, loving Asbury Park. Best thing I could ever have done is move to Asbury Park. All right. Well, I think that's uh, the best commercial
1: I could ask for. For people coming here to Asbury Park and really checking out the Asbury Park Festhal and Beer Garden. I don't know. I'm from Jersey. These are difficult words to pronounce. I grew up you in think the. Think of it like this
2: Festhalla. Festhalla. Right? You give me a holla, Festhalla.
1: <laughs> Perfect. You're good. Giving me lessons. All right. Well, Jennifer Lampert, General Manager and Partner here at the Beer Garden, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if folks aren't getting in their car already in D.C. and Baltimore to visit you. I will be surprised. Uh, I think I'm going to go upstairs and have another beer and some food, but
2: I so appreciate your time and letting us be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to visit us. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say, but Dankeschön. <laughs> ah, if people want to check you out online, where can they go? Oh, uh, www.asburybeargarten, B I E R G A R T E N dot com. We also have a great Instagram and a great Facebook. And our Instagram is AP Garten and Twitter as well, AP Beer Um We have a lot of fun with it. So interact with us with the social media. We love it. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll find you. All right. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Prost. This is
1: Lori Forrester, the wine coach, and this is The Sipping Point. We got to taste some delicious beers with Peter at the bar, but... To me, at least with wine, I don't think wine comes alive till you have the right food. And I enjoy it so much better with food. And I think beer is the same way. And people are really starting to see how food-friendly beer can be. It's not just wine for meals. So here at the Beer Garden, they didn't get just any old chef. They went and got a celebrity chef, James Avery, who you might know from restaurants like Michael Mina, uh, from Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, a very illustrious back. And, of course, Dos Caminos and Michael Minas' C. Blue. That's pretty illustrious background. So now you're here at this amazing beer garden. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank
3: you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, okay. You've been here since the conception, I believe, of the beer garden last July. And you opened in January of this year?
3: Correct. So I met uh, Andy Ivanov, one of uh, the partners here uh, a few months back I guess last summer actually so a year ago and he had approached me about opening up this restaurant and as well as a restaurant that we're opening up together across the street so back to this one they had uh, brought me on in the fall to open it up and we ended up opening up in January so yes since conception
1: I mean, you probably feel like you gave birth that's a long time <laughs> to yeah. be working uh, did you get to design your own kitchen is that something that was part of being involved from that early stage
3: not necessarily they had some of the kitchen already designed but they hadn't had a chef yet so i had to come in make some tweaks here and there but for the for the most part the the actual skeleton of the kitchen was designed okay. so but no menu no systems nothing like that i came up with all that Now, you mentioned earlier that you're a seafood chef, and uh, being in the D.C.,
1: Maryland area, surrounded by a different kind of water, the Chesapeake Bay, we're all about seafood as well. So is that the basis of your menu here, or or how how would you characterize the philosophy for your menu here uh, at
3: the Asbury Park Beer Garden? I wouldn't say that seafood is the basis, but it does have a very strong presence. Uh, As you know, you can't really see, but right behind us, the ocean is about less than a mile away. And, you know, I I feel the fact that you're sitting here, you can smell the salt there. You know, seafood has a a right to be on this menu. So I kind of took some, you know, Eastern European plays on classic dishes and kind of converted them into, you know, seafood dishes and things that... Pair well with beer, you know, for example, our steamed mussels. They're wild main mussels, and they're actually steamed in a broth made of the Blanche de Brussel's, which you're drinking right now. <laughs> you know, mustard, a very German ingredient, fennel, garlic, leeks, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we, we showcase shrimp. We have uh, oysters brought in a really killer dish. It's one of our top-selling appetizers. It's like an oyster's Rockefeller, except we use sauerkraut and pretzel breadcrumbs. So Ooh. just little things like that, so trying to incorporate the seafood as much as possible. After the
1: interview, I think I may need to go up. Woo! It's always a party when you drop a plate. may need to go upstairs and try some of these menu items. You're getting me hungry here. Okay, so with wine and food pairing, we try to match the weight of the wine to the weight of the food. Would you say that's a similar place to start when you're looking to pair great beer with dishes?
3: Yeah, absolutely. There's always uh, certain beers that have certain affinities with types of food but it 's like anything you know you should really drink what you like with what you 're eating and, and, and you 'll find what works better for you um, but with with this you know definitely lighter food the Pilsners the crisper stuff you know the any of your blanches, your blanche to Brussels, any of the wheat beers go really well with seafood, you know, with the citrus and the coriander. And then as you get on your darker, heavier beers, you know, the coasters and stuff like that, you know, the more substantial dishes. That being said, you know, a, a nice, you know, crisp Pilsner would go really well with a heavier item because it kind of helps cut through it with the acidity and crispness. So really it, it comes down to the uh, individual.
1: So this is a little bit more of a casual atmosphere than a lot of the restaurants that you've worked at previously. Is this more, would you say your style? I, I have this joke that no one will have us over for dinner because my husband's a chef, but if they could see him nuking his frozen corn dogs at home, <laughs> I don't think they'd have a problem with it. Chefs aren't always eating foie gras and fancy duck breasts. So is this more along the style of the type of food that you as as a person enjoy A more casual
3: atmosphere? Yeah, as a chef, I think the casual, I'm going to call it the casual market or the casual, you know, genre of food is is much more gratifying. You can feed a lot more people. You can still make food with soul, you know, you can still make stuff from scratch. Um, But by taking out all the pretenses of, you know, fine dining and what what that really means to do, it kind of opens you up to a lot more possibility. Um, You know, despite my background, really, my my niche I guess would be casual dining you know, those Caminos, all these really fun boisterous atmospheres where it's all about just really simple great food, a really killer environment and just a really great beverage program, like that's definitely what I prefer to do, so
1: So I'm seeing a list of amazing sausage and bratwurst are all these made in house? How do you go about choosing what's on the list because there are so much out there?
3: Well, I have a philosophy when it comes to, to food, you know, if you should make everything from you know homemade as much as possible. But if you can find a product that is better than what you can make, you know, an artisanal product, then by all means, you should showcase that in, in in a way that you can. You know, we make all of our accoutrements, all of our sauces, our condiments, all that stuff. But when it comes to the sausages, you know, we use three small butchers in the area. You know, um, our bratwurst comes from a place up in North Jersey. We have a Polish butcher in uh, Brooklyn that we get our kielbasa from, and a lot of those items. So r- really, that. You know, th- these are just great products that we like to bring in. Um, they're all very different. They all kind of have their own um, personality, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word. But, you know, uh, but the bratwurst is, is the number one seller. You know, and we go through thousands of pounds a month of bratwurst. So. And it's totally healthy, I hear.
1: I might need to order that. <laughs> Low-calorie bratwurst. <laughs> love it. I love it. Okay, I was going to ask you, and I- I'm seeing some passion there. Is what is your favorite item on the menu? If you could only order one thing off this menu, and you're
3: starving, what would you order? Jeez, you know, I, I always I have this thing that if I was going to the grave tomorrow, I'd want to eat roast chicken. You no, know, that's that's that's, really? that's that's my favorite thing, and we do it here with uh, roasted seasonal vegetables. Right now, I believe it's asparagus so, and uh, chipotle onions. And we serve it with poliska, which is a, a coarser version of polenta. So it's a Hungarian polenta, and then just a really simple gravy. So that that's my go-to. But there's some really killer dishes on here. The the blumenkohl appetizer is phenomenal. We take blumenkohl, I'm sorry, cauliflower, which is uh, blo- which is blumenkohl, but we take cauliflower, we lightly pickle it, uh, poach it, and then we batter it and fry it, and it's it goes with a homemade caper aioli it sells phenomenal it's it's great tasting it's fun it goes really good with beer so those two items are probably my my go-to
1: love it so you made a little uh, mention of a future project another restaurant across the street tell me a little bit about what's coming next for you in the coming restaurant
3: so around the Starting this month, I'm beginning the early stages of developing the kitchen in the Bonnie Reed, which is a classic chowder house, vintage seafood. You know, lobster bisque, clam chowder, fish and chips, fried fried flounder sandwich. Try saying that five times fast. (laughs) Ah uh, <laughs> no. Anyway, um, so just the, the stuff that you used to see at the shore when I was growing up, you know, it's kind of died out, and it's kind of funny that oyster bars and all these seafood places are coming back to be in, in vogue, you know. But really, this is something that's missing at the shore. So, the Bonnie Reed is a classic Chowder House and Raw Bar. It's opening over here on Cookman Avenue. You know, slated to open in August. So we're really, really excited nice. to be bringing that back to the shore. Yeah. Oh, cool.
1: Well, the, this looks delicious. I'm definitely partaking in this in a little bit. We mentioned, and I have to ask the question because people want to know, you worked with uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay, Gordon Ramsay on Hell's Kitchen. We watched for a couple of seasons, and people are totally berated. Have you ever been yelled at like that by Gordon Ramsay?
3: No, no. He doesn't get on me the same same way. It's a much different kind of paternal disappointment, get on you kind of a way. Not to say he hasn't yelled at me, but he's a, he's a really good guy at the end of the day. He's really he's personable. He's, he's a good guy.
1: I hear he's a lot nicer than they make him out to be on Hell's Kitchen. Does he kind of amp that up for the entertainment
3: value, you think? No, he doesn't amp it up, but he's definitely a nice guy. You don't you don't see everything on on camera. So right.
1: I know on Kitchen Nightmares, he always seems so sweet
3: in the end to the people and wanting to help them. So. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's genuine. You know, he's a genuine guy. He really wants to see these restaurants succeed, and he wants to see the people on the show succeed. It's more about applying pressure and pushing people, you know, beyond their breaking point to see how they'll they'll you know hold up. Right.
1: Wow. All right. Well, uh, I know you're going to succeed here too. It looks like you already have, and you're moving on to your next project. But Chef James Avery of the Asbury Park Fest Hall and Beer Garden, thank you so much for your time and being on the Sipping Point. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Cheers. This is Lori Forrester, The Wine Coach. I hope you've enjoyed road tripping with me to Asbury Park, New Jersey. But if you want to road trip closer to home, ladies, I hope you'll join me for Wine, Women, and Barbecue at Famous Dave's in Columbia, Maryland. Go to thewinecoach.com slash women to get your information and buy your tickets. Only twenty nine ninety nine dollars 4 courses of barbecue and wine. It's ridiculous. Join me. Anyway, special thanks to all our sponsors, Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, Wine World, the Oregon Grill, and of course, Hair the Dog, Wine and Spirits. If you're looking to just get out for a nice evening out, think about my friends at the Oregon Grill. You can give them a call in Hun Valley at 410-771-0505. Tell them the wine coach sent you. They'll make a reservation. Great food, great wine, and amazing service. All right, we'll be back next week to explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your coach, Laurie Forrester. Cheers.